Hi and welcome. My name is Brendan Kelly and I'm joined in the studio today by Perry Martin. Welcome, Perry. Welcome, Brendan. Welcome, everybody. This week is week two of our two-part special on thought and the process of, of growth and, and life tends to affect your ability to make decisions and determine then your capacity to create wealth for yourself. So we started this conversation with the idea of thought, uh, the idea that, that whatever you think about determines the decisions you make. The decisions you make determine the, the actions that you take and the actions you take determine the outcome that is your life. And on the basis of an exploration around thought, we kind of determined that thought is in fact everything. Now, in our journey around thought and the power that thought is in an individual's life, uh, we looked at the generation of belief and it worked out that our thoughts and our beliefs were influenced at an age where we were vulnerable to the influences, those who were around us, those who respected and loved. In most cases, it's our parents and immediate family. And they trained us to be a certain way based on their beliefs and how they presented themselves and, and their beliefs and ideology towards living a life. And the consequence of that is we adopted a lot of those beliefs. And we adopt them not at our conscious level, but at our subconscious level, which then determines the actions that we take at a subconscious level. So while we can think consciously about something, the subconscious can tend to control or override the conscious thought. And then we end up with self-sabotage mechanisms and, and decisions that we don't necessarily uh, choose to make that kind of get made for us along the way based on the belief systems that we put in place when we were young and didn't know we were doing so. So as we, as we journey along the, the process of self-control and self-determination in our lives for creating the wealth and, and the outcome that we want for ourselves, um, exploring thought and belief and the influence then of our subconscious when we were used, we went into the idea of, well, how do we regain control? If we are subject to those thoughts that were influencing us when we were young to um, the subconscious level and then have those influence us in our adult life, if we are in control of our thought, don't we therefore need to be able to tap into our subconscious to identify those traits that those decisions that we've made that we don't know that we made that we're living from um, that have the capacity to influence our outcomes and in our conversation last week Perry and I came to the conclusion that that we need to actually see those things and then create what Perry calls a disidentification so Perry just correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here but the concept there was we create an identity based on the beliefs that we live from, whether they're those we consciously came across or whether those imposed us through life that we subconsciously took on or unconsciously took on. We create an identity that, that is ourselves, um, attempt to make decisions of change around that and stumble and fall because we live out of that identity and don't see that we're doing so. So you're talking about then the idea of a disidentification, the ability for us to go, hang on a minute, that is an identity that or, or what's happening here is something that I don't want to have happen, yet it keeps happening. I need to identify and source what that, that, that belief is, then disidentify myself with that, that belief so that I can create a new one and then move forward. Is that kind of the, the, the conversation we're yeah, at? That, that, 
that, that's where we're at, and, and it's everything you said is correct. And and so from my perspective, not not only do we have uh, identity beliefs, but we have a whole bunch of beliefs, as you've quite rightly pointed out, that are unconscious to us, meaning we're not aware of them. And just coming back to what you said before, those unconscious belief systems tend to rule our, our decision-making, but we don't know it uh, because they're unconscious. They're, they're in our blind spot. So first of all, as wealth creators, you know, we've, we've got to be making effective decisions. And therefore, we need to know what belief systems and what influences are going on within us that could take us away from effective decision-making. So it just stands to reason that we want to, and this is the word that we use, surface unconscious belief systems so that we make them conscious, therefore they're no longer unconscious, and we suddenly have a deep sense of, wow, this belief system that I didn't even know I had from childhood or from other, some other period in your life has been controlling my decisions without me even knowing it. So then, okay, I'm led to the point where, and we've talked about this a number of times in a number of podcasts, and it seems to be something yep. that, that we, we revisit with some regularity, the process of identification. In order for people listening to this to be able to take some conscious action around understanding and making a change in their lives towards the life that they want to live, um, there needs to be some process that allows them to identify such ways of being that are in conflict with who they want to be. See, if we've got a vision, and, and again, going with the, the idea that, that thought is everything, and if I think about a way of being or, or, or you know, what I think about determines the decisions I make, the decisions I make determines the actions I take, the actions I take determine the outcome. If I think differently, I should make different decisions. If I make different decisions, I'll get different actions. If I make different actions, I'll get different outcome. Brilliant. But given the subconscious and the conscious conversation that's consistently going on, the thoughts that I have don't necessarily translate into decisions I want to make because there is, a, there is an interrupt and a disconnect. How do we help people identify that interrupt? Where, what can people do to see that? Well, there's a really simple exercise that, that anyone can start with, um, and it's, a, it's a, a written exercise, and it simply works in this way. You write a statement down once, and we'll talk about what that statement might be in a moment, but it's, well, we'll do that now. It's a statement um, that, uh, well, I'll just use a weight loss statement as an example. If, you, if someone's really overweight and they could write down, it's easy for me to be 78 kgs, as an example, okay? Now, when they write down, it's easy for me to be 78 kgs, the, the mind will give them a response. Yeah, this is, this is the thought that's in the back of the head. This is the one that pops up and, and yells at you, and, 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 and you don't know it's there, but this voice just appears and a feeling happens. Correct, correct. And, so, and the reason this works is your, your entire body mind is a biofeedback mechanism, okay? So you write that statement and anything that doesn't agree with it will tend to come up in consciousness. And so you'd write that statement once, it's easy for me to be 78 kgs and your first response might be bullshit, okay? Sorry for the language, but yeah, when your mind gives a reaction, it, well, it will speak in the most rudimentary and guttural ways at times because it'll just give you what it is. There's no 
if you're if you're if your dad and mine in the unconscious, it's not civilizing. It's not civilizing. It's not civilizing anything you say because that's not how the unconscious or subconscious works. But so it'll just give you a, a response, and that response could agree with the statement or disagree with the statement. You'll write the same thing down again, and you'll see you'll get a response, and you just keep writing that response down. And as you write that response down, you'll see themes. And so, as an example, that person with the weight loss one might suddenly see. Uh, uh, that they've got a part of them that just thinks it's impossible for them to lose that weight, just impossible. So for the person who's run that process, they're suddenly now aware that they have an inner, inner enemy, so to speak, that uh, doesn't believe they can do it. And they'll start to see these different things pop out of the unconscious uh, through that response uh, process with the statements and that's a really easy place to get started and i just want to extend on this a little bit more because it actually can get to the point where you'd never have to do statement work so as an example i can just say a statement within my own consciousness and my own consciousness will tell me whether it agrees or disagrees and i can just keep doing that and so what happens when you become an expert of this kind of work you can easily surface uh unconscious belief systems at will but that's a training and so to start with that statement, one's a really good one. And just to finish this off, um, it, it's easier for certain types of people to surface unconscious beliefs than others. So we talk about a thinking style person. A thinking style person um, uh, is, is always using logic. They're always analyzing everything through thinking. They tend to be disconnected from feeling. So they're thinking style types. And they don't have easy access to their feelings. But one of the things you learn is the unconscious speaks in uh, images. The unconscious speaks in feeling tones. So for them, it can be harder to start this process of connecting and surfacing some of those unconscious belief systems. Now, the opposite polarity to the thinking type is the feeling type. Mm. Now, the feeling type feels every emotion they're deeply connected to how they feel. Now, by the way, this will have a lot to do with left brain, right brain, um, how you're orientated, in the sense whether you're logic, whether you're creative. Creative types tend to have, uh, by default, uh, access to their unconscious realms far faster than the thinking types. And if you, you know, makes sense, doesn't it? Like what artists do tend to be feeling types. Uh, accountants, <laughs> for the most part, tend to be thinking type so so when we work with individuals we have to kind of navigate first of all how they are if they're a thinking style we'll give them certain exercises or work with them in certain ways to teach them to surface the unconscious if it's a feeling style person that's usually a quick process for us because they already have the 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 infrastructure on on the level of their brain to access those uh, parts of their consciousness so two things come out of this for me. One is there is an endless amount of statements that you can put out there and have a reaction to. Whatever goal it is that you're interested in, whatever outcome that is that you're interested in, you can create a statement for. Now, I noticed that you were very specific in your statement. It is easy for me to be 78 kilos or whatever it was to that effect. But you had a goal, it was specific. You didn't have a time frame for it, but you had a goal and it was a specific amount. It's rather than it's easy for me to lose weight, it's a bit loose, it's a bit open, and, and uh, not necessarily a well defined conversation for an objective you're looking to satisfy. 
Yeah, it, you want it to be. Oops. No, no, you want it to be tight. Want to be tight, yeah. right? You so, want to be tight. You want to be exact. And and come back to what you said in relationship to the goal, because if, if like and obviously we're talking about wealth here, like in relationship to a wealth goal, you would want to run a whole bunch of statements, which I'll talk to you about, that are very specific around that goal because that would help you identify what kind of belief blocks you have. So as an example, you might use a statement like, I deserve X number of dollars a year from my business. Now, that word, I deserve X amount of dollars of years from the business is a very exact statement and the word deserves in there. So if there's anything inside of your unconscious that says, I don't deserve, that's going to get triggered and you'll see the belief system. And um, probably a really important thing to say, because very few people talk about it, but deservability is, is a huge challenge for a lot of people. So we, 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 we so low self-worth or low self-esteem runs at epidemic proportions in this world. And, you know, people listening to this might think, well, I don't have low self-worth or I, I don't have low self-esteem. If you start data mining unconsciousness, you'll start to see how prevalent it is because if, if you grow up in an environment, as an example, there is a, there, there's an unconscious, implicit sense of what you deserve. So you grow up, and I'll just quickly map this out, and we, we bring our children up. Um, we all do this, and we've done this throughout history. And you teach your children that if you behave this way, you're bad. Okay? If you behave this way, you're good. That's just rudimentary. Well, it's a source uh, of control. It's a source of control. Yeah, correct. Yeah. You want peace of mind as a parent. You want to make sure they're not injured. You have to control them in a certain way and you use right and wrong as a tool to do so. Yeah, correct. And it does all this damage, but it's the only way we know and it's the only yeah. way that works, right? <laughs> it's right. right. You'll see. You'll see this. So, 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 um, and you might use the, the rudimentary language like good, good, you know, good or bad, but the, the implicit sort of meaning is if, 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 if you do these behaviours, you get shunned by the family. <laughs> if you do these uh, actions, you get accepted and embraced and loved by the family. So within that, um, now if you start to look at the control mechanism, that is you're shaming certain behaviours, okay? Yeah. Right? Yeah, great. And as a consequence of that, therefore, we are actually, going back to the beliefs conversation, we are creating beliefs. We are c- c- behavioural betray- behavioural traits, family idiosyncrasies, norms that are created, acceptable behaviour, non-acceptable behaviour, we are creating beliefs and belief structures. Well, the whole time. And by the way, coming back to what you were saying before, like if you're really, really, for those that are interested in this, it's like your whole, your, everything you do in life is driven by a belief system. Our whole behavioural drivers for the most part are driven by belief systems. We are, we are, this like just think of ourselves as a programmed computer. <laughs> full of belief systems that decide what we do and how we live in every facet of our life. And the, the other great thing I like about the analogy of the computer is, you know, you can wipe when you know how your, your, your hard drive clean and reprogram it with the belief systems and the programs that you want. Create okay? a whole new operating uh, system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might be creating a whole new operating system. And sorry, I'm still going sideways. I'm a bit real passionate about this. Um, you know, like my whole life, Brendan, I've had work-ons, right? So it's a whole life since I was 18, 17, 18, 18, where, you know, there's whole years where I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm really working to be this person because I'm that, but I'm now really working to be this type of person. 
uh, I'm really working to get these types of results. And through those uh, years, uh, I'm just actively uh, uh, working out what in my consciousness isn't supporting me, what's driving behaviours that aren't helping me get those results, and just working on them and reprogramming them. And, and so my whole life's just changed and I've just changed so much as a person in my whole life because I've been doing this work for years and it's just a really exciting project, right? You become, you yourself become the exciting project, your own exciting project of, of where's my life not working and how have I caused that? What do I want? What do I need to change to get it? Well, now I'm going to go and change myself so I can go and get what I want. And it's just an exciting way to live life, I reckon. So part of that journey then, going back to where we were starting this conversation out earlier, for the purpose of identifying those beliefs, come, take on Perry's objective of, of moulding self. Take on Perry's idea of, of who do you want to be, who do you need to be in this world to have what you want in this world. And in doing so, write down um, the goal, the statement of who you want to be, what you want to do. And based on that, um, you'll get an automatic response. You'll get an automatic inside your head uh, verbal reaction to that. It'll be a fool, can't do that. It would be whatever term, it, whatever outcome it is for you. Write that down. And then keep writing that statement underneath it until such time as you see things. And what exposes that, <clears throat> or what then gets exposed rather, is a belief. And that then allows what we call, or what Perry calls, identification you are identifying a belief the next part of that process then having gone through the idea of what are my goals what are my actions how to behave is to then disidentify with that belief perry what's the process for disidentification <laughs> okay you're going to really frustrate the hell out of you now because i'm going to slow you down and not answer that question for about four <laughs> minutes i go to you. <laughs> I just want to. <laughs> we know how it goes between us. <laughs> so, so I just want to come back to what you were talking about before. With with uh, what I'd be suggesting everybody do is they you have a formal sitting. So, formal sitting is a, a time of day where you get dedicated to doing your inner work to start flushing out some of the belief systems that aren't working for you. You, know, you might do it in the morning might do that in the evening and morning's always good I reckon because you're up fresh and, and uh, usually have you're not tired um, and so you'd, you'd, you'd set maybe for the next month you're gonna get up you know five six days a week and you're gonna do half an hour 20 minutes of statement writing to flush out some of these belief systems now the reason I didn't want to answer Brendan's question straight away is I just wanted to sort of flesh out that process more each time you do that and as and said you start to see these themes well your your own mind now that process sets up a mechanism and i'd call that mechanism unconscious processing so it's almost like your mind goes if, if you're watching this and you sit down and you spend four or five days doing the statement work in the morning like i've suggested it's almost like your mind goes wow he or she whether you're he or she are really serious about changing they're really serious about finding out more about their belief systems it's like your own mind does that once you start to do inner work and what will happen is 
after you've done your formal sitting and you're, you're going about your day, all sorts of memories associated with the beliefs that you have surfaced in your morning work will start popping up. Uh, all sorts of insights and thoughts about other beliefs that sort of go with that bel the beliefs that you were identifying in your, your morning statement practice will start to pop up. And that's because your unconscious is now processing. You've set up a situation by being dedicated to the practice and now your unconscious will join you and start processing and helping you actually evolve and see more about those belief structures. And I, I think that when you understand that your own mind wants to evolve you, which it does, and that could be for another podcast, um, it, and that it actually has mechanisms to help you evolve and you activate those mechanisms when you do inner work, that should excite you because you should realize, well, my own mind can help me support this evolution. Now, Brendan, have you had that experience where you're doing some statement work or inner work and then that just triggers off a whole bunch of insights and memories that supports what you're trying to learn and achieve? Uh, first up, it triggers off a whole pile of memories and, and, and thoughts about what's in the way, uh, about, about you know, the memory of the moment that somebody told me I can't do that or, or uh, you know, lack of deservedness or whatever the case may be. Um, then it's a case of, okay, that's actually the identif identification of the source of that allows me a freedom to be something other than that. Yeah, I, I can then... yeah, it doesn't, but doesn't that excite you that your mind oh, even absolutely. does that? To think that yeah, absolutely. Like, can you see... Can you see that if you start if you start doing that inner work, your mind supports you in that inner work? That that's why I get excited. It's like Correct. understanding that your own consciousness wants to help you evolve. And then well, I'm going to answer right, This this goes right back to the start of the podcast, the, the the first podcast last week, which was which was thought is everything. What what you what you get to see then is is and what we are leading to the idea of if who I am as a source of being is a collection of thoughts and I. I have the power to control my thoughts, then, then the whole world becomes a new possibility for you, you which you can then dictate and shape the outcome of. And that yeah. is incredibly exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So now do you want me to answer that question? Probably a good <laughs> idea. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> so in that process, um, when, when, when a belief system's running you, uh, an unconscious belief system is running you, you're identified with it. You, you believe whatever that belief is telling you to do. Um, so it's, it's really important to start to disidentify. Now, the very fact of even doing your statement work, saying the statement and seeing or feeling the response starts a process of disidentification because you are actually witnessing, we'll use that word actually, witnessing the response. Can you see that, Brendan? You are. And I'll, I'll, so you're watching it. Yeah. Correct. You, you have the image in your head of the occurrence when it occurred, you are seeing it. At that point, there's disidentification. Because if you look at your own consciousness at that point, there's something in you of, of witnessing the response. So mm -hmm. there's this version of me witnessing this other version of me. Mm -hmm. Okay, yep, yep. Yeah, I know this gets right, you get it. That's just yep. a way of explaining it. I'll, I'll rephrase it. There's one part of the brain, if you're into brain science, there's one part of the brain able to witness something else that's happening in your consciousness. So at that point, whether you're saying it's one part of me witnessing another part of me or a part of my brain witnessing another aspect of my consciousness, 
there's disidentification in that process because now there is the observer and the thing being observed. So now brilliant. just stay with this because this you get yeah, that? Brilliant, brilliant. Right. Because that now, disidentification is really powerful for the ability to make another choice. Yeah, it's, it's really powerful. Now this is going to get, uh, look, Brendan, you know, like I work with this stuff day in and day out. I've been doing it my entire life. And sometimes when I present, I have to keep my information sort of at the at, at a reasonably low level because I would be teaching things that would people would have no understanding of, right? Yep. But I'll, I'll go there. It, it, in deeper level training, you actually want to be able to stabilize that ability to witness what's happening in your your consciousness on a moment to moment basis. Mm-hmm. Because then you're establishing the ability to disidentify. As a way okay. of being. As, as a, a way of being. As, as a, rather than a momentary revelation, it becomes a way of being. C- correct. As a way of being. Now, uh, just a fact. If, if that's what you're training for, you will uh, achieve great gains in that pursuit typically over a year where you will be able to really stabilize what we call witnessing or observing awareness. Uh, a lot of those practices you see, like when I first started doing this, it was no one, so there was no sciences around it or, or no one really talked much a, a, about this type of thing. But now there's, geez, there's some of the world's best universities have spent millions of dollars researching and, 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 coming up with extremely amazing evidence about what happens for people that have been establishing that form of conscious awareness. Uh, everyone talks about mindfulness training. You would have seen that. That's become very popular, by the way, over the last, I don't know, five or six years off the back of uh, the scientific research that's certainly come out of the States where they were, did a lot of research on the Tibetan meditators and the, and the Buddhists who meditated all the time and, uh, med- meditators from the financial sectors and what was happening within them. And so they could really see the ability to stabilize this uh, uh, ability to observe. So you've always got the sense of I'm observing another part of myself trying to get me to do this or thinking this way or feeling that way. Uh, in my experience, there's no perfection of that, meaning you will tend to move out of being, we'll use the words consciously aware or going unconscious. Um, so it's but, never finished is your point it's never no, over. no it's never it's, it's, ne- it's never over you don't um, reach the end you don't reach the end but you, you've learned how to do it so it becomes a stabilised habit or skill set so as an example the c- case in point and I'll, I'll actually bring this back to real world application from a wealth creator's perspective in a moment and what, what that might mean so um, for me personally um, at, at at times, it, when I'm in stressful scenarios, it's, it's a habit for my awareness to do that very thing that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. In, under stressful situations, the moment there's stress, my awareness comes inside and observes self. Now, that's important because it's in times of stress that people go unconscious and those belief systems that are now operating unconsciously will drive the decision-making processes. 
Does that make sense, Brendan? I'll bring it back to real world stuff and then I'm going to no, keep coming back because I want to ground out the question a bit more. Yeah, no, fair call. That's powerful insofar yep. as, and, and while a lot of people through a whole pile of different channels would have heard the, the, the concept that when you're under stress, you revert to your core being, um, you, you go back to your core of, of whoever you are and, and, and what beliefs you most hold true. Um, and you're basically saying exactly the same thing. What you're doing though, in, in the way you're approaching this is negating the stress state so that you can see those unconscious beliefs appear and then choose a different way of being such that the outcome is one that you want as opposed to one that you're driven to. Correct. Because if we come back to what we said before, if I'm disidentified, observing a part of me that's afraid, okay? I'll bring this to uh, like a real grounded for everyone here. Uh, I'll bring this to a business or investing scenario. Let's just imagine that I'm, um, and this is, this is based on experience, by the way, but I'm just imagining something here. I imagine that I've got some deal that I've got to do, and I know I've actually got a business deal that I'm going to be doing over the next six months where I will tend to face this. So as I start to navigate, negotiate through that business deal, um, and this is a relationship with someone that will be partnering with me and one of the things that I'm involved with, uh, as I start to do that, uh, any belief systems or any past memories where deals haven't gone well or any past sort of memory about uh, being ripped off or what have you, it, it will be playing in the back of my mind. Yeah, okay? agreed. Right? Now, so as I go to do that, and because I'm, I'm practiced at this, this is, if, if I was unconscious, not aware, then one of those scared parts that would be telling me a story uh, could get me to sabotage that deal in some way. Okay. Could get me to sabotage it. And I can't think of one off the top of my head, but <laughs> I probably will in a second, but regardless, it could, it, it, it could be saying, and without me even knowing it, it could go, oh, I'm not really interested in doing this. I don't really like this person anymore. Actually, this is a good one. I don't really like this person. I'm sort of seeing things that I don't like about them. Okay. Now, uh, an unconscious person who doesn't understand this work would believe the part that said, oh, I'm not really liking them. I'm seeing signs about why I don't really want to get into business with them. Okay. Um, I would, in that scenario, with, based on what we're talking about, be observing, and I would see this part that said, I don't really like them now. Okay, so I'm observing that. And I would be going, hmm, that's interesting. So there's two parts, me observing, Look at that part. That's interesting. So that's the observer. There's three parts now. Right? I'll get clear about that if you need to. There's three parts. There's the observing. Mm -hmm. There's the intellect inspecting what's being observed, which is this part of me saying, I don't really like that person now. And I'll be going, well, that's interesting because I really wanted to get into business with them and I really like them. So why is it that I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I don't like them now? And I'll keep observing and I'll keep watching. And I will we'll see a, a, a scared part of me through this whole process. So again, observing, and I see the scared part of me that's trying to find any reason to negate the deal. And the easiest way to negate the deal was to pull this other part of me out to dislike that person. And all this stuff goes on, people, within your consciousness, whether you realize it or not. But because I'd see the entire game of that, 
disidentify observing the contents of my mind and the story it's telling me, I'm going to see my own bullshit, okay? My own game played out. And now I can make a decision because I make that decision out of full awareness. This person's actually safe. The protector part of me, the scared part of me was trying to, to get me out of the deal because he didn't want me to get hurt based on past experience, historical experiences. Does that make sense? So that's where disidentification, uh, when, you, when you can stabilise, that just helps you immensely navigate day-to-day -day processes that are stressful and you're not going to go unconscious and you'll deepen your awareness about self and you will evolve to deal with that. You will evolve past those patterns that were controlling you unconsciously. Which is brilliant because in your story, I immediately went in to defend, I don't trust him. <laughs> I immediately went into the position of while I could see what you're saying exactly, I could see the guy that would be the, the I don't feel like playing with him, with him anymore. And I could see me standing there watching me, watching that. And I could see the, the me with the capacity to be able to raise um, my awareness as interesting observation and um, observing that process. And then I can see the, the, me asking the question, well, why is that the case? At that point, I slipped into automatic response, which is there's a reason you don't, don't want to play with him anymore. And while I there's no background, it's probably fictitious. There's a reason why you don't know that anymore. I don't want to play anymore. It's obviously a trust issue. Look for reasons why you can't trust him was my automatic response. So I actually went into a subconscious automatic response, even while working and assessing the, the process of trying to disidentify him. So, so the outcome then is <laughs> exactly right. it's, it's a multi-leveled onion of, of, of conversations that we need to investigate in order to be free of this. Co well, correct. You're no. never free, really, are you? It is a case well, of... No, you can change. But, this, this is really man. important, right? You can transform. You can transform belief systems. So uh, it's, it's probably important that we get really clear here. Like, you can transform belief systems. So when I talked about using that example before, um, that's one, that's one process that I, I believe everyone should learn. I, I believe we should be taught this in school, right? This very thing that we're talking about. So I just talked about going into that deal because I've, I've trained in, in stressful scenarios. It's a habit for me to, to, to bring what we call witnessing inside, be aware of the content of my mind, then inspect the content of my mind. That, that process of disidentification helps the change process and it helps you take control of yourself because you're able to choose what subpersonalities are required in that, what parts, sorry, that we call the parts subpersonalities. What, what, what part of you is required to pull this through properly? You're able to investigate whether your mind's telling the truth. So maybe this guy couldn't be trusted, but through the process that I used, I realized that I'm just trying to defend myself based on historical. Has historical pain from ever having that happen again. So this part's using a part of me to, to find any reason to keep this guy away from me so I don't enter the deal, so I don't get hurt. I'm just seeing all that. And because I'm seeing all that, I realise that my mind's telling me lies and bullshit based on historical data, past belief systems being sewn in. Once that, that gives me more control in the moment. Now, if I see that there's a belief system there that's causing me a lot of trouble, which I would in that exchange, in that, in that experience, I would go to a formal sitting and go to now start to look at reprogramming those belief systems that set that whole pattern of behaviour up.
Does that make sense? Indeed. So now let's yeah. go to the process of reprogramming. And, I think and can I just share? Up. Can I share one other example? Because I want a real grounded example for everybody listening. Because because you and you'll work with this lot. So here's a really a good example of what we're talking about. Your mind, everyone watching this, your mind has a couple of processes going on. The first one's called uh, confirmation bias. Confirmation bias, you go look it up on the internet, you'll get a real good definition of it. Confirmation bias basically works in this way. If you believe something, your mind seeks proof for it. That's the first thing. If you believe something that has a huge emotional charge, your mind is adamant it's a truth, even when it's not, and will seek to even find more evidence for it. Okay? Does this make sense? Yep. And, Therefore, and in fact, ignore counter-evidence. Ignore counter-evidence. So if we go back to my example before, based on historical uh, past history, this isn't actually true, but it was, I'm, just, I'm using this for the example I ran. Typically, if I met someone with that pattern, or I did have this pattern when I was younger, and there'd still be remnants of the pattern, by the way, but if a, 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 if a part of me had been betrayed, sorry, if I'd been betrayed, I'll have a part of me that says, you can't trust people, and there'll be an emotional charge with that. Right? Now, I could be going into a... Uh, business relationship or an investing relationship with someone that's highly trustworthy. But this part's going to say you can't trust anyone and it's dangerous to trust. Remember what happened last time. Now this could all be happening outside of conscious awareness and the unconscious level. And that part on the unconscious level would have the ability to control me outside of my awareness and I'd be looking at that person that was deeply trustworthy and it would be starting to look for all the reasons why that person wasn't trustworthy. That's how confirmation bias works. Another aspect of that is they call it your reticular activating system. So if you've got a strong belief system that works with confirmation bias, your actual ears, all your senses are guided to look for the thing that will help you um, help them match your belief system about them. Think about that. So you're wired. I mean, your senses are wired. That's scary stuff, right? Now, <laughs> We'll bring this down to a very grounded, um, practical thing that you would work with daily. You're, you're, you've got a client and your client, you, you, your client comes to you, he or she, and they're asking you to analyse the property deal that, that, that they're looking at getting into and they've done all their research and you say to them, well, imagine it's David. David, Brendan says to David, David, oh, Wow. That's great. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a goer. Uh, real low risk profile, high potential of upside. Uh, worst case scenario, you know, you're only going to lose this much so you can keep playing in the game and the chances of losing it all are like 1%. Um, you get me? Yeah. And so, yeah, and so it's all green lights. And then two days later, that person comes back to you, Brendan, and they go, uh, I'm just not sure because of this. And or I'll you... let it go. Yeah, let the deal you go. get it. Yep. Let the girl go, all right? Now, how often do you see that, that when things are stacking up, people still back out of the deal or still, uh, yeah? More often than you probably want to. Yeah, yeah, more often than you want to. Now, what will ha be happening in that case is that that person will have an unconscious story that's been really, really wired in and probably a bit of an emotional charge 
And that story, we could just make anything up. It could have been they, the, their, their grandfather lost the family farm and the, because he, he had invested unwisely. And this person growing up from about the ages of zero to, you know, uh, 18, all they ever heard about was how dumb their uncle was and the pain that their uncle or the grandfather that lost the family farm caused everybody through, through investing and that investing was dangerous and it was dangerous. And so on the unconscious level, even though logically it stacks up, the unconscious part that's got the wound is still looking around going, I've got to find something wrong with this deal. I have to find something wrong with this deal. I can't go ahead with this deal. It's dangerous. So they become very fixated on, on finding reasons why they have to pull out. And that's dangerous when it doesn't st stack up to logical analysis. So uh, the key thing here and the key principle is how these belief systems with trauma will override logic and find proof for why they believe what they believe. And this is why people don't change, okay? Because the past belief systems keep controlling what they do right now in the future uh, and start to keep creating the future based on that belief. Brendan, yeah, you the, are the, asking... The argument of that is also true, meaning you get the person who shoots from the hip and says, uh, I trust everything and I'll make money and they just do no due diligence and then they go and buy a deal and a hope and a prayer that it's going to make some money and then don't go, oh, the next one will be fine. And you get the gambler type approach. Well, well, well we, Brandon, we, yeah, the, the, the two things I want to say to that because, you know, in the 90s, I look, I, 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 there was some, a lot of information came out about thinking positively. Right. <laughs> now, we're working with investors and business owners all the time and, and, you know, we often say on the stage and people get a bit weirded when we say it, I said, you know, um, emotion sabotage and everyone thinks I'm talking about the negative emotions and I'm not. Positive emotions can sabotage. So if someone's overly positive, they end up doing what you just said. They will, again, um, because investing in business should be logic and positive emotions have ability to override logic. Negative emotions have the ability to override logic. Um, you know, uh, some people come to me and they find out that they're really afraid and who isn't afraid at times in their life and they want to get rid of their fear because their fear is stopping them invest wisely. And I say to them, you don't want to get rid of your fear. You, you, you want to maybe minimize the control fear has over your investing decisions, um, but the fear part of you is healthy. We just want to make it functional, not dysfunctional, because having a healthy dose of fear um, actually minimizes the opposite polarity, which is overconfidence and arrogance. So have, you want to have both and both have the ability to, to destroy you and get you to make the wrong decisions. Can so you see both that? Have the ability to save you and make you the help you get the right decisions as well. Correct. And that's why <laughs> you can't use platitudes and answer questions straight away. Because <laughs> there's complexity. I know everyone wants a little bit of pop psychology and, you know, not, uh, what do they call them? Those sort of off the cuff. Just do these three things and your life will work. It's not that you, you, you've got to work through, understand that there's intricacies involved. There's, uh, you've got to really understand yourself deeply. You know, you've got to look at your behaviors and support. It's, it, it, it's <laughs> you get me. Yeah. So I get you. you asked me, how do you reprogram? Correct. Okay. I'm wearing time. So I'll do my quickest response to this. And 
you know, maybe we'll be talking more about this. Um, that very act, by the way, I'll go back to what I said before about disidentification, observing, disidentifying, seeing the behaviour that's trying to control me, making new choice in the moment so it doesn't control me. That's actually a reprogramming tactic, by the way, as well. That what that does is when you are observing parts of your mind trying to control you in the moment, and, and remember that's kind of an advanced thing to do, so don't give yourself a hard time if you can't do that. If you're listening and watching, you need to be trained to do that. But when you can see, observe, and you can say no to that behaviour because you can see and observe, you're disidentified, and you can choose that behaviour, well, that very act has incredible ramifications for reprogramming. If you want to use brain science, which you will for this example, every time I do that, I am weakening the neural pathways associated with that pattern that once controlled me, but now because I'm aware of it and I'm saying no to it, I'm weakening the neural pathways associated with behavioral traits. So it will weaken every time I say no to it. And at the same time, I'm saying... Uh, and I'm going to do this. So instead of doing that, I'm going to do this. Okay? So I'll use a real simple example. Uh, part of me wants to be angry to my wife. I say no to that. I'm going to be loving to her. If I do that for three months, keep displaying love. I'm strengthening the neural pathways associated with the loving action. Okay? That's one form of reprogramming. Then there are other forms of reprogramming that I prefer and are very joyful. So... You know that our, our brains give off brain waves, meaning that when we go about our normal day, our brain will, for the most part, be in, in what they call beta, brainwave frequency. You know, just before you go off to sleep, Brendan, and you, you get that sort of woozy feeling and, and you're sort of in this half dream world and you're really relaxed and your body deepens. You had that experience? Yep, once or twice, yep. Okay, that's alpha state. And so when we, 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 when we go to sleep, we go from beta into alpha, into theta. And then when we're deep asleep and deep REM, we're in delta. And there's another brainwave, which is gamma, that's associated with certain moments of genius, but that's above better. Now, each of those brainwave states has a different impact on the physiology of the body, by the way. So anyone that's in high beta all the time will have inflammation, uh, the, uh, their immune system doesn't function as well as those people that spend more time in alpha. So we won't get to that because I'm passionate about this. We could talk about it for ages. I'll get to the question. Um, when we hop into alpha or into theta, which happens for people that are meditators, and for those that aren't meditators, you just go into it as you go into, into, into that sleep process. By the way, if you're on holiday, having a good time on the beach, lying on the beach, you'll go into alpha, into theta. The, the, the logic, hard-thinking brain stops working. Okay? Now, from a brain science perspective, as you move from uh, alpha into theta into delta, uh, the amygdala, all the blood flows away from that. The amygdala is a flight-and-flight flight response. Coming back to what we said before about uh, in stressful scenarios, we go into, into our old patterns. So amygdala uh, starts to decrease in action, flight and flight response decreases. Um, the hippocampus for memory and logic starts to decrease. And we start to access what's conventionally considered unconscious territory once we start to drop down through the brainwave patterns, which is why 
when you're going to sleep and you hit alpha, sometimes you have funny little images float up in your mind. Have you had that experience? Mm. Funny little fleeting memories. That's because all of a sudden you are now accessing unconscious territory. Now, when you're really good at this, you'll use that process to find out more about how you believe, think, act, and behave. I don't want to get into this right now. It's kind of advanced, but you will also use that process to reprogram because when um, the, 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 when you move from, alpha, uh, from beta into alpha into theta into delta, a good way of explaining it is the normal uh, veil that exists between the unconscious and the conscious drifts away, which is why you have those little dream-like things coming up and those little memories coming up. Okay, Does that make sense, Brendan? Yep, keep going. You can't, you, you can't go around, your, you can't go to work today and be having all those things coming up. So you've got to put a lid between your unconscious and your conscious, right? So in that process of entering unconscious territory, there are things that you are able to do. Now, one of the first things that you could do is you can take one of those statements. And in one of those, uh, you can use those statements now not to flush out belief systems you now use statements to reprogram the unconscious. You can use uh, symbols or visualization visuals of that statement or an outcome to rewrite the unconscious. And so the, and by the way, there are many, many, many forms of, of retraining. And when we're working with our clients, we're finding out, well, what tools work best for them? Because uh, a tool that might work for a feeling type might, might not work for a thinking type, but, I'm just giving you a brief mm -hmm. overview of a, an approach. So as an example, in that state, you might just breathe in, saying that statement, breathe out, saying that statement in a, in a deep, entrained mind state of theta and alpha or into delta. And what happens over time is the unconscious takes on that belief system because the filter between the conscious and the unconscious has been taken away. And you will observe that you won't even get any reactions from the unconscious because the unconscious, when you are in that deeply relaxed state, is a sponge. It takes in what you give it. Does that make sense, Brandon? Indeed. Yep. You've got more questions? No. Nope. Because I can... Listen nope. intently. Yep. And... You might do that for quite some time. You might do that for a month. You have to be dedicated to working with that belief system and sewing that belief system in to the unconscious levels of your mind. Now, this works in, in a very interesting way because I just want to go, go sideways with this. We are, when we're going about our day, normally when we're not when we're in our awake state, we are being bombarded by everybody all the time telling us their belief systems. You know, I did that podcast last week about uh, who we hang around with. Mm -hmm. So we're absorbing these belief systems unconsciously without even knowing it. Okay. That's what happened to us when we were kids. Even if your parents didn't say things, you picked up their feeling about things. And this is all what we call pre-verbal, pre, -verbal, pre it's just happening. So this unconscious sponge just takes all these things in from its environment. What we're doing when we have a daily practice where we're actually working in our unconscious mind is we 
are taking responsibility for what we want to input into our mind, taking the power away from this happening unconsciously to us when we go about in our day. So we're actively working at reprogramming. Now, in my experience, Brendan, you're usually working between the two tensions. You're, you're working at flushing up unconscious belief systems. Once you are aware of them, you're aware of the full story, then you tend to move into, into the rewiring or reprogramming phase. And that's when you're doing those inner practices. And then there might be a bit more of a flushing out of other belief systems that you hadn't quite seen but were associated with what you're trying to reprogram it. And so over time, there's a change that just goes on. And one of the most fascinating things about this approach is the change gets locked into the unconscious so it becomes a habit. And it's quite interesting because you'll often see changes and you go, oh, wow, I've never done that before. I've never acted that way before. Um, but that's all come from the inner work you're doing in your formal practice to reprogram the mind because you're sowing it think about each time you use those statements and you're sowing your unconscious mind another good way of use thinking about it is you're putting a seed in of a new belief every day you go back to rewater that belief system it's growing bigger and bigger and bigger so you're still like tending the garden of your own mind choosing what beliefs or seeds you want to plant and what you're going to nurture and grow up into a habit within your unconsciousness we started this conversation today with the idea of picking up where we left off from last week's podcast, which was uh, how do we need to be? How, how do we identify and create a being, a self that is going to give us what we want out of life? Um, <clears throat> if you look at the people around you or the people that you aspire to be like, if you think clearly, begin to take on clearly what it is that, that or who it is you need to be to have the wealth and the life that you want to live. Then in that you'll analyze or, or, or come to recognize that who you have been and who you need to be are two different people. And the concept then that we've talked about over the last, uh, this podcast and the last one is the transition and what needs to happen for you to be who you were into who you need to be and bridging that gap. It is not something that's going to happen overnight. It is not something that happened at a single event. It is something that requires energy and effort and a persistent application to achieve. And Perry's given us some fantastic insights and techniques to get that journey underway, to get it started, but to also then take it to a level where we start to reprogram and retrain ourselves. Thought is the source of all change. Our ability to be able to think differently is there. We just need to make sure that when we take on a thought that is different, that it's not enveloped or wrapped on the knuckles, so to speak, by our belief structure that, that counters it. Because we will fundamentally come from subconscious as a driving force as opposed to conscious. <clears throat> the, our responsibility to be who we need to be and who we want to be in this world takes us to the point where we need to get out of our conscious and into our subconscious and allow us to control what happens within our subconscious. The task at hand then is to listen and re-listen to these podcasts, particularly the last two, this one and part one, so that you start to see and ingrain a way of being that helps you and allows you to make that change. Other than that, you're subject to potential of more of the same. You are subject to, I want, I want, I want, and never, 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 on account of who you've been in the past will always bubble up through 
and, and appear who you're going to be in the future unless you can identify it, disidentify with it, and allow yourself to be something else. Perry, any last words of wisdom as we conclude this two-part series? Eat ice cream. It's yummy. <laughs> Brilliant. I reckon that would be probably one of the most powerful insights we've had in the last two hours of conversation. <laughs> I'll be serious. Actually, really serious. You know, I've got to say, Brendan, like, people come to inner work with all this resistance. Like, so many people just don't want to do it. They don't want to see their beliefs. They don't really want to understand. And I get it. Like, it can be confronting when you have to look at yourself and see if you think that the, the payoff the payoff is just amazing. It's just, yeah. So if, if, ever, if you're listening to this and you're watching this and you feel confronted, because, um, yeah, you've got to be a bit vulnerable, have a look at yourself and see how you operate. I've got to tell you that the payoff is just immense because you get to shape a life that's meaningful to you and matters to you and, and you can feel proud of yourself because you're living up to the standards that you truly have for yourself rather than being controlled by the robot conditioning that we all uh, grow up with. Thanks. Until we meet again, invest your time, your money, and your energy wisely.